0: Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 38 through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our second ever
1: The Kardashians episode recap. Julie, how are you feeling to be here? I know last week was pretty much the greatest day of our lives. Like to be able to get that <laughs> back was an indescribable feeling. But there is something so amazing about being back in a schedule and knowing that you're going to log on to Hulu at exactly midnight. There's going to be an episode there. We're going to come on and recap it. Like, I love being in a routine now.
0: I know to not be in limbo anymore is such a gift. And also, like you said, last week was pretty much the best thing ever. And that is not lost on me. But it was almost overstimulating because there was so much happening. You didn't know where to look. There were so many group
1: scenes. Whereas this one, I don't know, it felt easier to process. It felt more manageable and not just as somebody doing a podcast about it. I think just as a viewer in general, I think last week we were like so overwhelmed by the sheer excitement of it being back. And then on top of that excitement, the episode was as jam packed as maybe an episode has ever been. So I think this week it was nice to just really be able to sit back and just enjoy the show.
0: Totally. Like a a scene where Chloe and Malik are sitting in Kylie's backyard, whether or not she was actually going to Kylie's house to pick something up or not, it didn't even really matter. It was just nice
1: to take a beat. I'm happy you said that about like whether she was going to pick something up or not, because like, what was the purpose of filming there? (laughs) I don't know,
0: but I obviously wasn't complaining. I will take any excuse to see the chicken coop, see the backyard. Any scene that they want to give to show additional real estate, I welcome with open arms. I was going to say, it's always nice to check in with Kylie's chickens and see how they're doing. Absolutely. I also recognize there are some other Kardashian-related things happening. For example, Scott's Instagram, where he compared himself to Good Luck Chuck based on Sophia's engagement, the Black China trial, the photos of Larson Scott in Miami. But we're going to talk about that on Monday's episode in the Kardashian recap, because this one is going to be straight episode recap discussion, all of it. Like the good old days. Exactly, like the good old days. And how long have we been waiting to say that?
1: M I. There are no <laughs> words.
0: So the way that we organized this episode was similar to last week. Instead of going scene by scene, we separated it out by major topics. So we have everything happening with Kim, the sex tape follow up and SNL, Courtney and Travis, the house hunting, the pregnancy journey, and his proposal. And then we have Chloe and kind of what she was voicing about some of her anxiety. So that's the order we're going to do it in, and uh, we'll see how it goes. You ready? I'm so ready. In terms of the sex tape, we didn't really get too much since last week. Obviously, we finished up the closet scene, and it comes up briefly when she's prepping for SNL, specifically with Amy Schumer, but it feels like, at least for this moment, that's on the back burner.
1: Yeah, it's something that's very top of mind for her. But you watch her throughout this episode, try and push it to the back so that she can focus on SNL. But every time she's trying to do something or enjoy herself, it keeps going back to that anxiety of like, what is it about this tape? Because right now it's also the fear of the unknown. She has no idea what's even on this tape, if it even exists, when it's going to leak. So it's all the anxiety around that while she also has one of the biggest weeks of her entire life.
0: Yeah. And I really appreciate it, which we will obviously get into when she was sitting down with Amy Schumer and she's kind of explaining to her how it's recently resurfaced. And she says, you know, I realize I just had to take my power back on that one. To me, that one line kind of sums up the entire process she's been going through.
1: Yeah, totally. Also that one Amy Schumer line where they're talking about it and Amy's like, is there a part of you that kind of hopes it leaks? Like if there was a sex tape of me 20 years ago, I'd be like, okay, let's get this thing out.
0: Well, I actually wanted to mention that to you, not that specifically, but as we'll get into in a moment, throughout the episode, Kim is expressing a lot of gratitude towards Amy and she's explaining how they've been friends for a few years. And obviously, Amy's been very helpful. We know that during the actual skit, Amy was there. But to me, it's a relationship that I fundamentally can't understand because I cannot think of two people that I feel just conduct themselves more differently. And I get it, opposites attract. It's not like you can't have a friendship with someone that's different from you. It's just if I had to choose two celebrities that were entirely different in their demeanor and I don't know, just kind of the way they express themselves, I would probably say Amy Schumer and Kim Kardashian. So to watch them have this relationship was definitely
1: unexpected for me, even though I knew they were friends. Well, it's not just the fact that they're so different. This friendship is really full circle because... The Kardashians, and specifically Kim, were a punching bag to Amy many years ago, especially in the beginning of their career. I mean, talk about full circle. When Amy Schumer hosted SNL, one of her jokes in her monologue was about the Kardashians and saying, like, you have to appreciate people who take their faces as a light suggestion. And so for her now to be helping Kim write her monologue for hosting SNL, I mean, talk about Full Circle. Also, don't forget that there was that moment on the red carpet where Kim and Kanye were walking and Amy Schumer did that thing where she fell in front of them, which was like one of the most discussed and talked about things. And so it's not just that, you know, their friendship exists and that they're so different. It's like their friendship exists despite many years of them kind of being not, I wouldn't say enemies, but like, for example, when the Kardashians were on Andy Cohen, one of the things when they asked them about like the beef, is it squash? Like Amy Schumer came up in that conversation.
0: Oh, absolutely. And even in this scene when Amy is saying, yeah, I may be the one that's good at writing jokes, but you guys are the best at taking jokes. And she says, I've been on a few roasts and I had to stop it because it was too hurtful. And so it's almost honestly because of Kim and the family's resilience and willingness to laugh things off that they were even able to have this relationship. And I think that Amy is aware of that.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of the things that Amy respects about Kim. It's very interesting to watch that dynamic. It's almost like such a metaphor for the way that people treat the Kardashians in general, where at first it's such an easy hit to take. And then as they get to know them, that relationship develops, which I think they've spoken about before. Like, I think it was Chloe one time. It may have even been on Andy said like, you know, everybody hates us at first and then they get to know us and then they can't hate us.
0: I know. And obviously, we've never been in the position of starting off as a hater. We've always had an affinity towards them. But I so get what she means because once you actually watch Chloe have a conversation, I think that it's difficult to dislike her. And you can't say the same about all of them. But I think specifically with Kim and
1: Chloe, they just are pretty likable as people. With Chloe, I want to get into that conversation later because I think it plays directly into the internet hate she gets. I really think that there's such a separation between when she's getting the most amount of hate on the internet and when they're in filming and when she's showing herself to the public.
0: Yeah, we will talk about that for sure. Okay. Make that a mental note in your head. Made it. (laughs) Okay. So I want to get into SNL and I guess overarching statement, which really isn't even Kim-centric. There needs to be a show that is entirely dedicated to the week before the performance and just having cameras follow whoever the guest is in the way that they followed Kim. And I know it would of course be a different subject matter because there aren't so many other things going on in their lives necessarily that the public is already invested in, but to watch this process, and we only got it a little bit. I mean, we didn't get to see every little detail or every single writer's meeting, but to be able to watch that process was so
1: fascinating. Oh, it's beyond. I think there's a documentary on YouTube about it that goes through like com- some of the behind the scenes. But I think people have absolutely no idea. I mean, the viewer, of course, Like, I think we have absolutely no idea what goes on behind the scenes. But I think even when people sign up to host, they like are really thrown into it and taken by surprise. Yeah. I mean, even
0: Kim, who is not at all a stranger to hard work, I think she was blown away by the amount of hours.
1: Oh, completely. I mean... These are hours that no one does. Kim's like, I've never pulled an all-nighter in my life. I've never had to. They're the type of people that they go to sleep really early so they can wake up really early and start the day early. They're not the type of people that are up till 5 a.m. and then up again at 6 a.m. the next morning. Well, when Kim says that, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, obviously, I know your aura Ring score. That is so niche and so funny. She really got that resting heart rate down during the middle of the night.
0: No, Stop somebody stop us immediately.
1: Do you understand that no one can stop us? It's just the two of us.
0: No, it's just the two of us. I know. You made this analogy a few weeks ago. I forget what you were talking about, but about the meme of the guy in the restaurant when it's like, tell me when to stop with the Parmesan cheese and he never stops. And the waiter's like, I have a family. That's us with this. No, that's exactly how I feel. Yes. Okay. So for this section, we basically have a list of all of the different moments or things she mentioned that we want to discuss. And before she even gets to Amy, I just loved hearing her talk about the process and how Connie reached out to Dave Chappelle and Dave Chappelle connected them with Michelle Wolf and hearing how Connie is both incredibly involved in this whole situation, but also she's very cautious of wanting to include him without one, offending him and second of all, while maintaining her boundaries.
1: I feel like the way that Kim explained the Kanye stuff is exactly how I wanted it. Like, I wanted you to lay out what he had an involvement with when he was there, where he was staying, all of those details. But I also wanted you to give me like the boundaries that was set and what it was aware of and what their relationship was like at the time. And I feel like just in her explanation without even trying, she gave us all of those details.
0: Yes. I feel like she gave enough where we could kind of fill in the blanks. And also to me, this backed up what she repeatedly says of no matter what, at the end of the day, we're family and we're going to support one another in our endeavors because say what you want about Kanye. And we have said plenty. He was there. He was on a commercial flight flying to be there for her because he recognized how big of a deal this was.
1: Yeah. And I think they're both really passionate about each other's projects. Like, Let's not forget that Obviously, we recently found out that for the first eight months of the divorce, they weren't really speaking. And when they started speaking again was when Kim was at Kanye's Donda event. And that was something that Kim was incredibly involved in. It wasn't just that she was an attendant. Remember, she came down in the wedding dress and it was a whole thing. So I feel like at the base of what their relationship was at the time, they both obviously, as people and parents respected each other. But almost more than that, they respected each other as like an artist and what they do both each in their individual field.
0: Yes, absolutely. There's an acknowledgement of why these are milestones in their career. But a moment that I actually wanted to bring up, because I thought this was interesting, is when they're in the dressing room just talking things through. Tracy says to Kim something like, I can't believe Kanye is helping in the way that he is, which I found interesting because obviously Tracy is as on the inside as one can possibly be. And she
1: was taken by surprise with his actions. Well, I guess she probably has it so in her head, the time period in which they weren't speaking. So in her mind, they probably aren't as like on good terms as they are in our mind. Because we're only seeing like the stuff that she wants us to see, or we're only seeing those limited interactions where they're both involved in helping each other. Tracy was the only one, not the only one, but like in this conversation was the one that had that, like insight into what it was like during those eight months where they weren't speaking.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. Like we said, that timeline explanation that she gave on the Not Skinny podcast was so helpful.
1: Oh my God, it changes the entire way we
0: viewed their divorce. I know. Okay, so the scene when she is sitting down with Amy, obviously the biggest takeaway here was just watching her process in terms of preparing for the monologue. And to me... I found it so interesting to just kind of see or to be able to observe what Kim felt intuitively good about in terms of the jokes, you know, what in her mind was off limits, what she thought was fair game and almost watching her expression as she said it. And obviously Amy's feedback, but before we even get into that, which is clearly the substance, <laughs> did you have this reaction or was it just me? There was something about watching Kim walk into Amy Schumer's New York apartment that I just couldn't believe was being filmed. Like it just felt strangely normal.
1: Normal, but also intimate. Like that's not a home that you ever expected to see the inside of. Amy Schumer is not somebody who's like doing a full ARC Digest spread and like is constantly filming content in her home. Like that's a place that's like a pretty intimate, I wouldn't say off limits, but just not something you ever thought that you would get. And so for the first time that you're seeing Amy Schumer's habitat for Kim Kardashian to also be there, you're like, wait, what's going on here?
0: Right, but also as I was thinking about it, and this may be inaccurate, so tell me if you think this isn't true, When I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, in terms of keeping up, I feel like we don't typically see them in other people's houses. I feel like it's either one of the family members' houses, one of their offices, or at a restaurant or some sort of a third-party space. I don't know. I just can't think of that many times. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but where they've been in someone else's home on camera.
1: I'll tell you one time, and it's one of my favorite keeping up with the Kardashian scenes ever, and I think it's for that exact reason of being in someone else's home, when Kim goes to Chrissy Teigen's house.
0: Yes. Okay. I knew that's what you were going to say. Right. But even that, the fact that you had that example off the top of your head shows that it was relatively infrequent that it happened.
1: No, it definitely, it definitely is infrequent. I never thought about it that way, but you're 100% right. They don't often film at people's, I mean, think about it. You've never seen the inside of Malika's house. No, that's what I'm saying. It's it's rare. So I
0: was just I was just taken off guard by that. I loved being able to see some of the things she was initially going to say, then she ended up cutting out. And I'm glad that she ended up trusting her gut because and clearly, Amy was coming from a good place. She was so dead wrong in terms of not mentioning the sex tape. Like, there was something about Kim doing that that was actually even more powerful than not, even though I understood what Amy was saying that this is a piece of art that's gonna live forever and do you really want that to be tied to you. But I think Kim doing it actually ended up being even more impactful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there was a couple of things here. Like, I think one of the reasons that Amy didn't want her to say it is because I think she felt like Kim was only saying it because it was so top of mind because of what was going on, because Kim had explained that to her before. But also, I feel like Amy, along with so many of us, like have so moved past the sex tape, like don't consider it to be such a topic of conversation. Whereas a lot of the SNL audience and a lot of older people That's what they think of when they think of Kim. So I don't necessarily know if this was Kim's intention in saying it, but I feel like to take the air out of it right off the bat for the people who still associate that so heavily with her was definitely the move. And Kim really trusted her gut on that. Right, especially because the
0: SNL audience is presumably a little bit of an older demographic than who she's catering to, let's say, on her Instagram story. You know, I would say... Obviously, with the exception of her massive fan base, the people watching SNL, because they watch it every Saturday night, are probably not the people that are watching her try on the Skims collection in her Instagram story in her closet. You know, obviously I'm excluding all of us. (laughs) So I think she was probably aware of that.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, listen, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around, but like there is an entire population of people that know Kim from the sex tape, know her as a reality star. And then any other information about her kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It's like that meme that's like everything I know about blank, which I think most people would say everything I know about the Kardashians in that meme format has been learned against my will. And I think that so much of the SNL audience of like regular people who watch SNL every Saturday or like that audience that's skewed a little bit older, that's their view. They know about the sex tape. They know about the reality show and everything else has been learned against their will. And it goes in one ear out the other and they don't give it any other thought. So they're not thinking of Kim and how far she's come and this empire she's built and this business that she has and having 250 million Instagram followers and all of these things. That's they don't care about that shit. All they care about is the fact of what they knew about her from 2007. And nothing else matters. So that joke was for them.
0: For sure. Also, when you said 250, I just went to check something. When she posted the photo of her and Pete at John and Vinny, she was at 299 million followers. I remember because one of our friends texted us being like, Kim, trying hard to get to 300. That was 10 days ago. And she's now at 303, which means she went up 4 million in 10 days.
1: It's, imagine having that many followers
0: on Instagram. It's wild. It's something that I can't even comprehend, really. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sidetrack us. I just had to look that up while you were talking. But yeah, I, I think it was a conscious move. And I liked in this conversation with Amy that. I mean, you didn't see her push back too much because I think she was just processing it in her head. But I think she was taking her feedback, understanding it came from a really good place, understanding Amy knows so much more about comedy than her. At the same time, though, knowing that the reason she's been successful this entire time is because she trusts her gut. And I know she says calmness is her superpower, but I also think letting her intuition guide her is one as well. And so just to hear those little details of what she was going to say, what she wasn't going to say, even, for example when she's going over the Corey joke, which she did end up saying, she cut out the whole part when she actually did it about him being Chris's security. It was like, so I asked my mom's boyfriend, Corey, and that was the entire joke, which landed so much better. But just to see how she got to that place to me was fascinating.
1: Well, and also one of the things she said after SNL was that she had a joke about Chloe and she took it out. And we were like, oh, I really wonder what that joke is. And I think that I mean, presumably what she said to Amy about, you know, Chloe has such a big heart. She has room in her heart for Tristan and all his side chicks was probably the joke that she decided not to go with.
0: Totally. And I mean, who knows, but I don't even think that's because Chloe would have necessarily cared. I consider Chloe to be a really good sport. I think it was probably more of a decision for True's sake. You know, like in Kim's mind, there's no reason to put that out about True's father. I could be totally off, but that's how I feel she probably got to that
1: conclusion. I think it was for true and and Chloe's sake, and also keeping in mind that Chloe and Tristan were working things out or trying to work things out at this point. I think maybe had SNL been last month and everything with Tristan had gone down, maybe a joke about that would have been thrown in.
0: I know when you see her saying that joke, and then you know she made the ultimate decision to cut it, and then you know in two to three months down the line, she's going to be in her gym at six a.m. calling Chloe, saying, "Holy fuck, did you see what he just posted? Like he is the father." that pipeline is just absolutely wild. I can't wait for that moment. Like literally the pipeline of Kim removing a joke about Tristan being a cheater because him and Chloe are working on their relationship slash for true sake and then two months down the line this happening. It's it's really wild.
1: I'm processing it as you're speaking. It is the whole thing is wild. I that moment I think is going to be I don't want to use the word like I'm trying to think of exactly the right word here. I'm inclined to say like that moment is gonna be so satisfying as a viewer, but satisfying is 1000% the wrong word because there's nothing about Chloe's pain that I would find satisfying. But I just think that there will be so many answers in those moments about the journey that Chloe and Tristan went on that we didn't get the answers to before.
0: I agree with you that satisfying is the wrong word, but I totally understand why that would be one that came to mind because it's just such a fulfillment of curiosity. And also- it's not that we were ever rooting for Tristan to fail necessarily, because I mean, Tristan failing just by nature means that Chloe gets hurt and nobody wants that. But there is something that is, I think, gratifying about knowing a guy was up to no good and then watching him get caught in such a public way. It's upsetting because I wish it never happened, but if it was going to happen, like
1: face the music, you motherfucker. It's almost like you know that the public holds him more accountable than Chloe does. Right. Or at least from what we've seen. Right. Like, because also, like, I don't mean that as a negative to Chloe. I mean that as like, she can only hold him so accountable because it is the father of her child. Whereas like the internet, we don't have to hold back. We have zero reason to. Right. That's what I'm saying. We
0: are co-parenting with him. We're not raising a child with this man. So naturally her reaction is going to be different just in nature than ours. <laughs> exactly. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I really want to talk about the scene when they're in the dressing room and you see Mario start to get emotional because first of all, I started crying as well when I was watching. It's not bawling or anything, but I noticed I definitely had tears in my eyes just watching how he really couldn't contain I think his gratitude and just how sentimental he felt in this moment.
1: Oh, I was I was fully crying. Like the no, not like fully crying.
0: I really want to read you guys this post that we put in the outline. It's from March 2018 when the KKW Beauty X Mario collection was happening. And he posted a photo of his calendar from April 5th, 2008. And I'm going to read you the caption. This is my calendar from 2008 that I still have. 10 years ago on April 5th, 2008, I met Kim Kardashian on a cover shoot. I almost didn't take the job because I had to work at Fox that afternoon, or I did makeup for the anchors on the weekends for extra money. At this point, I had been a makeup artist for eight years in the city, honing my craft, building my portfolio, and paying my dues. Retail, weddings, editorial, TV, personal clients assisting. I began working with some singers and actresses around this time, and then I met Kim and began to work with her often. The idea of a reality star at the time was new. After all my years paying dues and assisting some of the big fashion and celeb makeup greats, I was being groomed to begin working with A-list stars, actresses and recording artists. I had an agent who demanded that I stop working with Kim immediately. They said I would ruin my career and my career would end within a year or two. That all of my hard work and struggles until then would be for nothing. Was I going to sit and worry about what the elitist industry would think of me and try to fit into their mold? I refused. I chose to stick with Kim because it felt right in my heart. She was hardworking, loyal, and sweet. She kept me insanely busy. She appreciated me and my artistry, and I had too much respect for her. When I parted ways with my agency, one of the last things they said to me was, good luck, Mario, because you will never get a Vogue cover working with her. Swipe left to see how that turned out. Never let anyone dictate the trajectory of your life and career. The past decade with Kim has been incredible. We've grown together, set trends, inspired and impacted an industry along the way. Through all her milestones and achievements and through her rise to global superstardom, she's taken me along the way and impacted my life greatly, helping me to achieve unparalleled success of my own as a celebrity makeup artist. And then he goes on to say, I'm so excited to finally announce that on April 5th, 2018, exactly 10 years to the day we met, our KKW Mario collection with KKW Beauty will launch.
1: I'm like crying all over again. I know, that is a
0: pinch me moment. I mean, talk about having people in your circle that were with you on the come up and that never changed. You never changed with them. You brought them along for the ride. That is so
1: special. I mean, that is real shit. I mean, but also when you think about the trajectory of Mario's career, like it's not just that he's doing makeup on the cover of Vogue or that he's being taken so seriously as a makeup artist. Like he has grown into his own in a way that is like almost unfathomable. Like he almost had the same, obviously not the same trajectory of success as Kim did, of course. But I'm saying in terms of the makeup community and where there is to grow within that, I mean, he's had an insane amount of success and it's all a result of... Not only just sticking with Kim, but the, the way that Kim, I think, has lifted her glam team up. And like, for example, when you think of contouring, yeah, of course you think of Kim, but you think of Mario right there. When you go into Sephora to get Mario's makeup sticks, they're sold out every single time. Like The way that his success has grown, I don't think I can compare it to any other makeup artist.
0: No. I mean, that's Julie and I's running joke that every single time we pass a Sephora, if we're together or not, we go in just to see if they happen to have the contour stick in the shade that I need because it is impossible to find and has been sold out online for literally months now. So it's like our thing. If we see a Sephora, we just go in just for the hell of it, just to see. But I know, I mean, I honestly think that he would have had similar success in terms of the clientele. Like He is incredibly talented, and he was on a path to be doing the JLo's of the world. So it's not that, but there is something about the Kardashian brand and the way that they are able to obviously monetize themselves and their brands, but also help to monetize the people around them and just that PR machine that's incomparable to really anything else. It's not even so much the level of fame, of course that's there, but it's the way that they're able to push product and Honestly, I mean, Makeup by Mario, it's a really good brand. The products are excellent. But I think having the push of being so shared by not only the Kardashians, but also their circle, it it helps indefinitely.
1: I mean, also let's not forget like, the Kardashians were the first people really to give the credit to their glam team, to show them, show the behind the scenes, show who their glam team was, name them by name. And all of this is a direct result of that. Prior to this, you didn't know people's names. You didn't know, unless you were really involved and really seeking it out, you didn't know who people's makeup artists were. Like, you know, they just showed up to a red carpet and they were done or they showed up on a magazine cover and they looked perfect. And like even Alexis Oli was just on a podcast talking about this, saying specifically that is what the Kardashians did. So to know Mario by name and know his brand and know his makeup all goes back to the Kardashians amping up and showing us the behind the scenes of their glam teams.
0: Of course. And don't get me wrong. I give the family a lot of credit for that, but also just in general, it's a reflection of the way that the industry has changed and how it's become far more accessible to publicize that. And again, like you said, how these makeup artists and hairstylists have become kind of celebrities in their own right. And I think the biggest shift, and this is something that I think a lot of people have taken note from the Kardashians from, is the way that this these massive talents that are their clients have then propped them up. I mean, when a makeup artist comes out with their own brand or they're teaching a masterclass or whatever it is, you see that there is never anyone publicizing that more than the A-list client they've been working with.
1: Oh, absolutely. The entire industry in that way has changed. I'm just talking about like the birthplace of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, ugh. I love that shit, obviously. I mean, this is like, I mean, it's not really niche. They're so famous. But I don't know if you guys saw that Um, Michaela from TikTok, who's a makeup artist, she spent a day with Chris Appleton and Mario. I think we spoke about this once on the podcast. But just to watch the way that even the highest level- glam teams are now integrating themselves in TikTok and recognizing that there's this whole new medium and whole new era of, quote, you know, beauty vloggers or what used to be the YouTube stars that are now the TikTok makeup stars and just integrating themselves in there is so fun for me to watch.
1: Do you think Chris Appleton is the hottest person to ever walk the planet to?
0: I mean, obviously, Julie, that man is just so handsome. I, beyond. Beyond, Yeah. The other thing that we have to talk about from SNL is the Courtney Scott situation, which, wow, to watch Kim
1: kind of navigate that was fun. Whenever a phone call comes up and there's somebody on the other side and they're on speaker, it's like, baby, let's go. I know. And I understood exactly
0: where all of them were coming from. And I thought that Courtney, if she wanted to, technically her being on SNL was a really big deal and it was something that she totally could have done. And if she said to Kim, you know, maybe let's see if Scott can't come. Kim would have done it in a heartbeat. And I think that Courtney both wanted Scott to be able to have this moment. She didn't want Kim to have to disinvite him. And third of all, and she said this, I think she honestly was happy to be in California with Travis for Landon's birthday. Like It just felt more like she said it aligned with her life at the moment. And I didn't find that to be selfish at all. I think that you know Kim didn't need her there. She had a lot of support there. And
1: I don't know, I thought the way that they all handled this was totally fair. Yeah, I thought so too. It wasn't like this big drama moment. It was just like incredibly good insight. But when we were talking about this initially, and we were coming up with all of the reasons that we thought Courtney wasn't there during SNL. Remember, we had had that whole conversation. We obviously threw out the concept of like, well, Scott was there. So maybe Courtney didn't want to come. We were unsure what their relationship was like at the time. But we also said, you know, maybe the biggest reason is just that it's Landon's birthday. Like. I think that Courtney is taking on this role and she feels so passionately about as involved as Travis and his kids are in her life she wants to be that person for them too and so at the time we said I think there was no world in which she was going to miss Landon's birthday because that's one of her kids now like that's how she looks at him and that's how she treats him and that's how she wants them to know that she's there for them and so I think that was really important and so we got that kind that confirmation kind of You
0: know, I vividly remember us having that conversation at the time, hypothesizing why Courtney wasn't there. And I think when you made that point about Landon's birthday, and I could be wrong, I think I said something like, you know, I, I don't mean to be at all disrespectful, but come on, like this is SNL. It's one birthday. And I don't remember exactly our conversation. I just kind of remember that happening. But now that I'm watching the way that it went down, I get it a lot more.
1: Yeah, it makes more sense. Also, like, I think I'm just like meant to be someone's stepmom. So I really understood that angle. (laughs) Yes.
0: But also, did
1: you notice, and I have no idea what the reason for it is, because I don't think that Courtney was saying anything that would have evoked this when she was speaking. But Kim gave quite the smirk during that conversation, specifically at the Landon part.
0: I did notice that. And I don't think it's something she would have ever said on camera. But I'm telling you, she probably said to Steph after like, It's fucking SNL. Not that she was mad. I genuinely don't think she cared whether or not Courtney was there. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. Like I just think she felt like she had enough support there. And honestly, she was so busy, it didn't really matter. But I think she found the justification to be Comical, not necessarily that she was judging it. I just think it was exactly what we talk about about Courtney being so in her own world when there's nothing wrong with that at all. But to me, that smirk was an acknowledgement of Kim's recognition of how in her own world Courtney is at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And by the way, I think even Kim would say that was the right call for her at the moment, and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Oh, absolutely. All they want is for Courtney to be happy and to explore this happiness. Like, both because that is their sister and that is the thing they want for her most in the entire world. But again, for their own sake, Courtney is her best version of herself when she is happy and they're experiencing a level of Courtney happiness that I don't think they ever had before. So I think that on top of, again, the fact that that is genuinely in their heart what they want for her more than anything else in the world, (laughs) they're unwilling to rock that boat in any way, shape or form. It's your world that you're living in and we want you to embrace every aspect of that.
0: Even in her birthday post for Courtney last week, she said, happiness looks good on you, which that's exactly how I feel they all
1: feel. <laughs> and they all did say that. And they all repeatedly say that. Like that is the one thing about Courtney that they keep saying over and over again. Like you are the happiest you've ever been in your life. We have never seen you happier. Happiness looks good on you. Like it must feel really good as Courtney, but it must feel really good as Travis to hear that over and over again.
0: Yeah, really good as Travis and really shitty as Scott, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, yeah,
0: <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what they should be saying. It's true. She's on cloud nine. It's just like, but God, to watch the difference just in her entire aura is probably the harshest, you know, reality check that Scott could ever have.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor, it's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Okay. So moving on to the next plot line of Courtney and Travis, a few things here, but firstly, in terms of their house hunt, even Courtney was saying, we love our homes. And the idea of leaving them honestly feels like a foreign concept, but we would love to all be under one roof. So I was happy they started this search with the caveat of like, we're not looking to do this right now. It was just something they may want to do. It made it feel more authentic
1: I also felt so validated in that scene because I remember you and I talking about this so long ago. I think when they probably first got engaged, which is around this time. And we were saying like, you know, I wonder whose house they're going to move into because we know that they love their individual homes so much. And I was like, what basis do we have to say that? Like they may not even give a fuck and just want to like live together and that's the thing they care about the most. So for the Courtney to come on and be like, you know, we really feel such a connection to our homes. I'm like, I fucking knew it. (laughs) I know.
0: I've always felt that about Courtney, even more so than any of the other siblings. And when I think about it, it may be because of the fact that she hasn't moved in all of this time. Kylie's been through a million houses. Chloe's been through multiple houses and done renovations. Obviously, Chris is moving. Kim is in her estate, but that just feels like it's in a whole category of her own. Kendall has moved. So it feels like Courtney's been the only one that's really stayed in one spot.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's funny, like I've always been really inspired by the idea of separate rooms, but separate houses down the street, like that could really work. What a setup. Oh my
0: God. I know that f- for them specifically, like they love being together every second, but I feel like so many more marriages would be successful if you just had that little bit of separation. Uh, yeah. Like a full yard, a couple houses in between. That is a recipe for success. I know. I know. I don't really know what to say about the scene with the broker because I'm, I'm not trying to be a hater. And I understood what Travis was saying that your average person has, is not used to this type of affection. Maybe that's some of the reasons for the reaction. But then there's the other side of me that's like, Emma, get into fucking reality. If these were not celebrities and they were just two average people and they go to this showing at this mega mansion and then she straddles him in the backyard with the broker there. Like, if that was your friend, you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Get up. So- <laughs>
1: there was no, no part of me that had any other reaction other than like, are you guys actually serious right now? Like, I, you know what? You know how you're saying like, Emma, be real. Like, I was like, okay, Julie, like, you can't be a hater. Like, you you have to just let them be in love and straddle each other in the backyard, even though you know that this is like the least amount of social norms a person has ever had in the history of the world. Like there are three of you, like it's just disrespectful in my mind. Like someone is showing you a home and they bring you to see the outdoor furniture and the outdoor area in the pool and you straddle your boyfriend while it's just the three of you.
0: <laughs> you know, it's a really funny thought. Wait, this is, I cannot believe I've never thought about this. Imagine right now this exact scene, but it's any other coupling. So imagine Chloe and Tristan, Kim and Connie, or even Kim and Pete Corey and Chris, Kylie and Travis, Kendall and Devin, like in this exact same scene, they're house hunting and one of them doing it. You can't even imagine it. Like imagine Kim mounting Kanye while there's a realtor there. (laughs) The only person I can imagine it with is is Chris Chris and Corey. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Me too. And even then I'm like, no, there's no
1: way. I feel like all the tour guides at Disneyland probably called up the broker and was like, you know what? You're just going to get used to it. It's really not a big deal. Eventually, you won't even notice that they're there.
0: (laughs) They start a support group. (laughs) If You too have been traumatized by Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker's PDA in a public, completely inappropriate setting. (laughs) You may be entitled for compensation. That's literally how it feels.
1: No. You know what the funniest part about this podcast is? It's like us just sitting here cracking each other up. (laughs) you know i don't i i I forget i and i think the only
0: reason the the podcast works is when we get into the groove of forgetting that like this is going to people because obviously i'm sitting here in my house like surrounded by clothes right now there's just (laughs) there's no worlds in which my mind mine and your conversations like making a fake identity for the disneyland tour guide about travis and courtney is ever going to be heard by other people and that's i want to
1: keep it like that I, now though, like that we're talking about it, like sometimes I check back in and I'm like, yeah, we're going to have every Disney tour guide and every Disneyland employee (laughs) in our DMs being like, can you please get me in on your class action suit against them?
0: (laughs) Fucking hilarious. Wait, I want to talk about the fertility journey, specifically her conversation with Chris. And I know we didn't get that much here, but we got a decent amount. I mean, she is committed to this. They really, really want this to happen. And it's not that I was unaware of that, but just to watch her talk about the side effects and the seriousness of what she's going through while also the desire never wavering, I, I loved to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a difficult journey. And this is a journey that a lot of women and a lot of couples go on. And it's just, it's so grueling and so draining from what it appears. And like, So for her to put that information out there is also, like I'm sure, very helpful to other people who are going through it. But I have to say, like, when she's explaining that desire to have another kid and have a kid with Travis specifically, like, exactly how she explained it is how I thought that she would. Like, her saying, like, they love each other so much and they just want to have, like, a representation and bring something into this world that's the two of them and that represents their love. Like, that is verbatim what I would have expected her to say.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we've said that before, I think, when we were hypothesizing about it, but I know we never want us to get too much into it because it felt like weird to talk about that since she hadn't. But now that she obviously has, it feels fair game. Also, and I should give a trigger warning here for- Miscarriage. But when she's talking to Chris about this, and Chris says that she had a miscarriage in 1994, and then after her body shut down, just for context, Kendall was born in 1995 and Kylie was born in 97. And I know we've read Chris's book. She may have spoken about it. I, I guess I just forgot if that was public knowledge. I guess I just forgot about it. So it was interesting to hear her talk about that. And then on top of it, to put that in context with, you know, that we do know factually a year later she got pregnant with Kendall.
1: Yeah, totally. I also have to say, in regard to Chris in this episode specifically, like I really love that one of the roles that we've seen Chris change throughout time is like, I think in the beginning of Kardashians, like she took that momager role so seriously, and and that was one of the criticisms a lot of people had of her, if I remember correctly, of like, you know, she was momager first, mom second, and that's how it felt for a long period of time, and then I think around the time that she started having grandkids, we recognize the fact that she almost softened a little, I really like that it seems like in this current era and specifically in this episode, Chris really took on the role or has really taken on the role as like mom advisor. Like she is just bopping between all of the kids in this episode, dueling out her best advice and the momager almost takes a backseat to that now.
0: Well, I think just in general, something about the new format of this show is the fact that we are getting so much more of her one-on-one with the different kids, whereas And not to say we didn't get that before, but there were so many group scenes. I mean, think about how many times you'd see Kim, Chloe, Courtney, and Chris all at lunch. And again, not that we won't get this, but you really are getting to watch her relationship with each of the individual kids. And I think it's something we were lacking a little with keeping up.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think so too. And I think they recognize that. I think that was actually one of the bigger changes where they were like, this is something we want to implement more. And I'm so glad that they did.
0: When she's in the car with Chloe and Travis calls to tell Chloe that he's going to propose to Courtney, wow, what a moment that was.
1: Again, the best behind the scenes you could ever get.
0: Yeah, and that was real. I mean, even the way that Chris was talking to the driver and then Chloe felt like she had to apologize for it, like that whole thing and the dynamic of how that went down was absolutely legitimate.
1: I love when you can tell. I do feel like throughout this episode, like I feel like everything has been super legitimate. Like a- aside from Chloe and Malika like randomly being in Kylie's backyard, which I still don't get the rationale for, like Kim at SNL, she's not having everyone who's in there retape over and over again. And so I do feel like what we're getting is the most authentic version. Whereas I do feel like a lot of the time with the e show, you could so tell when things were reenacted. We said this recently. Kim's a lot of things. A good actress is not one of them. Same with Chris. Chris is a terrible actress. We got a DM from
0: someone that said, I think the Kim sex tape is 100% fake. I think they wanted to revisit it for the new show since that was the catalyst of the original show and to showcase that if it happened now, Kim could handle it better. Like how Chloe says, You couldn't make this shit up. She may as well said, We made this up. I respect your opinion, but I so strongly disagree with that because, first of all, Ray J's manager was talking about this publicly. And also, Kim doesn't need to do that. She doesn't need to rewrite history and show the way she would have handled it. However she handled it at the time clearly worked because look where she is now. I, again, respect your opinion, but I so strongly disagree with that. Sorry, we just got that DM. That's why I was reading it.
1: Also like in my opinion and no disrespect to like what Kim went through with this cuz it obviously caused a lot of stress for her but like the sex tape was the least interesting part of the whole show so far. Yeah, they didn't they didn't need to do
0: that. I, t- I don't know. To me I I disagree but again, that's why everyone can have their own opinion and that's fine.
1: Um what were we going to say? I heard I heard no, you, I I heard you say, take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was just I was just switching back to like the moment of Travis calling them like he is just so sweet and gentle like I, I I'll never get over the difference between hearing his voice and listening to him speak and the words that come out of his mouth versus his exterior it throws me off every time he's so gentle his voice is so soft like it really doesn't it catch you off guard every single time It does.
0: Although at this point, I'm starting to get more used to it because I feel like I've consumed enough of his content. I've watched a lot of interviews now just to try to familiarize myself. And it just makes so much sense. And I think that in addition to Courtney being so happy and that bringing out this side of her, I think her being with someone that has such a soft and gentle presence about them actually really helps to bring out her more gentle side. Because I think in the last few years, we saw her harshness maybe take the lead. And I just think him being that way and that being his baseline demeanor just brings that out of her a little bit more, which I think is probably another thing the family's responding
1: so positively to. Oh, absolutely. Yes. But also like, it, I think it's not just the way that Travis is or like the way that Travis looks or presents himself. I also think their relationship as you watch it like seems so intense. like they're constantly like touching each other and they can't keep their hands off each other. And, you know, it's so like dark clothing. Like it feels like there's a real intensity around this relationship. And then when you get the insight to their relationship and specifically the way that Travis speaks about it, it is so different from what you're seeing. Like, yeah, of course there's so much love and so much passion and intensity there, but there's also so much like sweetness and gentleness and like just fun. And like, it really is interesting to see how, like peel apart the layers of that relationship. Yeah.
0: And also just to watch Chloe's reaction and her to be so overjoyed. And it's true what she says, you never see her cry happy tears. That's not really her style. So it just almost overtook her this emotion. And like for her to experience that with Chris and they had just landed in New York, they're on their way to SNL, it was just a lot of emotions at once. And and when she said, you know, Court never really wanted to get married and for Travis to know that and to know that like literally his presence and the way she feels about him specifically is the sole reason that she would want to do this is probably the greatest feeling ever. Because I don't think Courtney had a fundamental opposition to marriage. I just think she never felt safe enough with Scott or secure enough with Scott to be able to take that step. It just felt like more of a hassle than it was worth. And so for her to just feel entirely secure and safe
1: in this is, oh my God. It also, I have to say, must feel really good for Chris to see Courtney want to get married because I think for a while when Courtney would talk about not wanting to get married with Scott, it was like, even in their best years, she still didn't want to get married. Like he would want to propose. He proposed over and over again before they had Penelope. He was very adamant about it. Like that was something Scott really desired. And instead of you know, expressing that lack of safety because she really couldn't, she would blame it on her parents' marriage and like saying like, she wouldn't want to put her kids through it. She wouldn't want to what happened to her mom and dad to happen to them. Like, so I think that as Chris to be able to see that, like, you know, this is possible. You can feel safe enough in a relationship and (laughs) we didn't screw you up for life or specifically, I didn't screw you up for life in terms of marriage. Like that's a really good and freeing feeling. Wait, two things, because first of all,
0: I hear you in terms of from Chris's POV, and I don't even know if it's something that she was consciously aware of, but I think that she always maybe harbored a little bit of guilt based on the way that Courtney would talk about it. So, yes, so agree that that was freeing. But I don't think that Courtney was full of shit when she used to say that about Chris and Robert's marriage. Like, I don't necessarily think that it was a deflection for the very real issue she had with Scott. I think that it was real. You know, I think she was the oldest. She experienced it in a way that was different than the way that any of the other kids experienced it. And I think that it was kind of traumatizing for her, that whole situation.
1: Oh, no, no, absolutely it was. Like, that played a huge role in it. It was just that. It was something that existed and somebody didn't come in to make her feel safe enough to to move past it or to work through those feelings. And Travis yeah. came in and allowed her to do that.
0: Right. And like for Travis, I mean, what a, what a incredible feeling, you know? I know they say, you know, you should never be someone else's entire happiness. And that's not the case. Courtney has a very full life. She adores her kids. She loves her family. Like, don't get me wrong. But- he is the real person you can point to here in terms of just turning the trajectory of her life around in
1: such a positive way. And same for him. It's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And by the way, when Courtney talks about it, I don't even think she talks about it in a way where it's like, he is my entire life. He's the entire reason I'm happy. It like really goes back to that one line she said where like, she was like, let's not hate on a girl who finally knows what she wants. Like, I feel like what Travis did more than anything else was like, bring out this security and this like safety that she had within herself that she never got the chance to feel. For sure, for
0: sure. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. I feel like we have never gotten this long form of an expression or explanation from Chloe about what goes on in her mind, anxiety wise, as it relates to fame and criticism. And listen, I know we see her, you know, at times clap back on the internet or in interviews, she'll talk about how it feels to be in, under such scrutiny. But it wasn't even for my sake because I feel like. Obviously, you and I have such a level of empathy and compassion and just, like, admiration for Chloe. But I was so happy that your average viewer that maybe doesn't feel such an affinity towards her was getting to really see the inner workings of how she processes all of this because it was so upsetting. I, I really, really felt for her in in just such a deep way.
1: Yeah, it was – I think it was one of the first times that she explained it to the full extent. I mean, she's obviously spoken about it before and she's spoken about the way that just – the internet trolls have really taken a hit on her self-confidence. But I think in terms of her anxiety and just doing anything of leaving the house, of going on talk shows, of posting on Instagram, like I think that was something that people hadn't necessarily seen at all before. I know that, you know, it was something that we probably maybe assumed to a certain extent, but we definitely didn't get the insight about. And I do, that's kind of what I was saying before in terms of like obviously not for us. But I do think that if you're somebody who talks a lot of shit on the internet and specifically talks a lot about Chloe, I think watching her and knowing her personality, not just seeing her go through this stuff, but just like knowing her and knowing how she is as a person, like I think it makes it a lot harder to do that. And so I'm I'm very curious if there was a rise in the internet attacks that Chloe got and the way that people treated her in terms of it being off season from the actual show.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're an asshole that's gonna attack her on the internet, you're an asshole regardless. But I have to imagine for your average viewer, there is an increased level of empathy or awareness of what she may be going through mentally because she's explaining it so vulnerably. Like, how could you not feel for her when she's talking about this? I, I to me, I would find that debilitating. You know, even when she's sitting in the car with Malika and she's talking about her coming up the hill and the paparazzi being there. And I I get it. It's part of the lifestyle that they signed up for, and that's why they never complain about it necessarily, specifically Kim. But there's a difference between complaining and then just being real about the impact that it has on you. And also, I don't think any of the other siblings could even speak about it from the perspective that Chloe can, because the way people treat her is just different than the way they treat any of the rest of the family members, which is so unfortunate, but it's true.
1: Right. And by the way, like the way they treat her versus any of the other family members also goes both ways because I think people feel more of a connection to her and more of a friendship quote unquote with her than they do any of the other family members. But also like, I think something we have to remember when we talk about people on the internet, like it's not always just that there are people who like attack and are like mean assholes on the internet who just want to be like hurtful and hateful. There are also like, which is probably the loudest population of people who just tweet out jokes and take digs and like aren't necessarily coming at it from a really hateful, spiteful place. But when those tweets and those comments about her add up and, and multiply, and there are so many of them, those all add up so much and are so amplified. So I think that in terms of feeling a connection to Chloe and being less likely to tweet those things out, that is so directly related to the show because you feel so much more connected. And so I think that people who would, you know, who maybe watch the Kardashians and are, I wouldn't say necessarily fans, quote unquote, but like ab- absorb the content. Regular people who are just involved in the everyday, like my show of pop culture. Like, I think that if you're somebody like that, you take a second and you take a beat and you think about like, okay, you know what? chloe has been through enough. I don't need to add on to that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also loved when she was really getting to the core of where the anxiety comes from, specifically when they're talking to James Corden. I actually thought, I mean, say what you want about him. I I really liked the speech that he gave. And like she said, she knew that it was authentic because she could tell that he has given that speech to himself before. But she's saying, it's not about the actual interview. You can tell. Chloe's very comfortable on camera. She can do this shit all day. She's highly personable. She's very emotionally intelligent. She gets it. It's not about that. It's the aftermath, which I always think obviously I would never be in this position, but if hypothetically speaking, I was famous in this way, that would be my fear as well. It's not the actual moment of being there about public speaking or talking in front of a group. It's like now you are a subject that has put yourself out there for judgment and that must be terrifying. And like she says she doesn't even read any of the stuff, but she gets it enough just from the paparazzi, just because when she's walking in somewhere, they'll ask her about comments or they'll ask her about something. And that brings up for her something that she's been trying to look away from. So it's like, you really
1: cannot escape it. Oh, it's entirely unavoidable for her. An interesting moment also is when they were in the car and Malika says to her, like, why don't you just tell people to fuck off? Like you, that's your thing. Like all you do is you used to just always tell everyone to just fuck off. And Chloe was like, you know, Tristan said the exact same thing to me. Like he said, like, what happened to you? And I'm like, you motherfucker, you happened. I know, I know. Oh, it's so hard because she says, I think
0: verbatim, Malika and Tristan are such grounding forces to me. And that's why I'm so drawn to them. And it's like, listen, I want you to feel grounded. So whatever means of getting you there, you do it. Like I will support you. But this this can't be the grounding force because this is the same exact guy that's going to knock the wind out from you, you know, metaphorically.
1: Right. Which is so interesting to have somebody that you find to be grounding and also somebody that you just like are so numb to them hurting you. Like that is something that rarely exists at the same time.
0: Yeah. Which is another reason that it's such a complex, probably
1: dynamic for her to process. I don't know. If I was Malika, I'd be like, okay, let's not compare us. Like I am grounding. He's there. (laughs)
0: Right, right. right. Absolutely. Like, you know what? Let's stop that compliment right there. Because the second you mentioned his name, it no longer hits in the way you intended for it
1: to. Although Malika is like weirdly Tristan's number one fan. Like when they're in the car and and Malika's like, did Tristan leave? And, and Chloe's like, yeah, he left. And she's like, aw. And Chloe's like, he's just like in Sacramento playing basketball.
0: <laughs> Listen, I the one thing about Malika, she loves the fuck out of Chloe. But I think that she, and maybe this is because she has an optimistic personality. She just like really is drawn to their happier moments. And maybe it's because like knowing how much pain he actually caused Chloe is hard for her to process. I don't know what it is, but yes, absolutely. I think she views him more kindly than like we as the viewer do, but also you cannot compare her actual real life best friend to somebody that only sees the negative. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I'll tell you one thing though. I did not miss seeing Tristan in this episode. Like I like watching their conversations, clearly from a place of curiosity, but I was happy to just not have my blood pressure rise. You know, it was nice for a simple, easy episode.
1: Right, especially because the Tristan we've been getting—by we've been getting—I mean, literally just last episode, because that was the only one—but it's just like s- such a confusing version of a person that you just hate. Like, like I know, hates a strong word, but like, I—I I, I feel comfortable throwing it out there. Like, when I'm watching him and he's being like so kind and nice, I'm like, can you fuck off? Because I know who you are.
0: I know, and that's why I would always ten out of ten times prefer watching just a Chloe scene where she's giving us like the intimate details of what's going on in her mind, Tristan aside, because to me, like that's the shit that you really care about.
1: Maybe that's why I used the word satisfying before in terms of like when we finally see that scene where Kim calls Chloe to tell her about Tristan, because like we'll finally get the not fake version of Tristan on our screens. Like it'll almost be satisfying to use that word again to like actually see who he is in the episode.
0: Right, because we've seen him successfully put on this act that has has worked for him, honestly. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I really loved watching this. Is there anything we missed? I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure there is. We could talk about every single like a minute detail of this episode, but in terms of the major topics, listen, as long as we covered Mario crying, everything else was like kind of paled in comparison for me. <laughs>
0: That fucked me up, Julie. Fucked me
1: up. Get people in your life like Mario, truly.
0: Didn't it feel so good, though, to be like, you know what? Obviously, I can't relate to this in the way that you can, but I, too, have been on board since day one. I, too, have been defending Kim Kardashian at my fucking Passover Seder since the time I was, like, 13 years old. You know what I mean? Like, I will go down with this ship, and it just felt fun to, to watch him, who is clearly a much more real-life example of that, discuss it.
1: And we will be rewarded for that one day. It's like the people that never turn their back on Anne Hathaway. We will all be rewarded.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: Okay. I think that is all.
0: Um, Like you said, I mean, there's a million other things, but major points. I just loved watching. I'm happy we're here. I thank you guys for listening and for being with us for the day after, the two day after recap, whenever this episode is going to come out. We're going to hope to get it done today, but... If not it'll be friday morning. I think we'll get it done today though. It's, it's what time is it right now? It's 12 p.m. Yeah, I think we'll we're be on a good it track right now. We're on good track right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much and thank you for listening. We will see you next week.